0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Church podcast, where you can hear messages from our church that will directly impact your life. Our hope is that by listening to God's word, your life will be transformed by the power of his truth. To learn more about our church, visit cornerstonebv.org. Here's another message from Pastor Jamie at the Cornerstone Church. Thanks, Greg. How we doing? Wow, I think we need to bring Elaine from downstairs to wake you people up. You guys hear that? Either they're exciting down there or someone's in deep trouble, so I don't know. You might want to check that. Um, Well, uh, it's okay. A little bit of turkey uh, coma for some of us. That's all right. Um, But I uh, first of all, I want to thank Jen for doing uh, our Advent candle this morning. We still do have a few more slots in the coming few weeks if you like to read let me know Um, we got most of them filled but we do have a few left so let me know Uh, so I want to ask you like if if you were I want to just put on your pretend hat if you were uh, uh, just say it was really hot maybe just worked out or some of you, that's maybe not going to happen, but you just you know kind of walk somewhere or whatever, and you're really really thirsty, right? And you you come uh, into here, and, and 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 I'm in my office over there, and I'm saying, hey, you know what? Let me let me pour you a really cold glass of water, right? So I hand you this this glass, and it's empty, and you really have you ever been that thirsty? You're like all right, here comes, I really need that water, right? So I'm like, I just got to go get it, and I go off, right? And, and you're waiting for that, that water, and, I, and, and, and you're, you're holding it out, and I'm like, here you go, right? What would you do? <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> and I pour it, right? And your glass fills up, and you're like, that looks like a warped, rotten glass of V8 juice or something, right? That does not look like water. I'm not drinking that, Jamie. Why are you trying to kill me? And the idea, right, is that, um, you know, we can say lots of things in our life, but the evidence comes out in what pours out in our life. For instance, if, you know, I say I love my wife, and um, that's a good thing to say and hopefully mean, but if you get to know me and you get to see me in action, does that pour out into my life, or am I just talking about, you know, just using words? Or if I say I love my kids, is that evident in, you know, my time or certainly in my bank account? I figured out I could probably go to Hawaii every month if I didn't have my two kids. I could afford that, but I can't. So, you know, or, you know, if you say, ah, oh, I love my, my best friend or I really care about this person, it's going to be evident, right? Especially if someone knows you. And so you can say, hey, I, I love someone, but but what does my life say? And, and the question that, that we want to crystallize this morning, when we look at the very short story that Jesus is going to tell, but really the context around it is, do I love Jesus? Because we learned to say that young. I was downstairs last night, and I was like, oh, look, some child had written or some craft or something they did down there. It just said, I love Jesus. Jesus, right? And we, our kids sing that. We sing that. We're taught that. So if you're you're a Christian, you're, you're say, I love Jesus. But okay, but but when it, my life pours out, is that the evidence that someone would see? If an angel unscrolls uh, my life, Jamie's life, and the evidence of my life, do I really love Jesus? And so this morning we're going to kind of have one of those check engine lights of our own life, our own heart, and. Ask that question, especially, I mean, if you're not yet a Christian, we're so thankful you're here, but we don't expect you to love Jesus, right? Not yet. Someday, hopefully, but if I'm a Christian, do I really, really love Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, we we do come before you, and we pray for this time, and we ask that um, you would, oh, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts like a like a car's check engine light, Lord, that we can look at our life and say, do I really love you, Jesus? Is that really what someone would see in my life? And Lord, it's a hard question, but it's so important. Would you show us, Lord? Would you meet us where we're at? Lord, if whatever the need is in this room, would you meet it? And God bless me as as I deliver your word, your truth. It's in Jesus' name we do pray, amen, amen. Um, so we are going to, if you've been with us, you know, we've been looking at the parables, some of the greatest stories ever told by Jesus and, and our parable this morning is in Luke chapter seven. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up there uh, with starting in verse 36. Um, but we'll put it on the screen too. If you don't own a Bible before you leave here, we have a stack of them back there. Um, against the wall grab one of those or whatever you need that's free that's our our gift to you Um, you saw the announcements but um, we do have a lot of kids who need presents this year Um, and so if you are in the position to get one two or more um, we have a lot of tags both online and uh, our haven kids and our in-person tags you probably saw those on the way in but on the way out if you can uh, we just want to make sure all of those get get taken Um, Also, the Advent, what a great opportunity to to do uh, something this year, you know, with your kids or as a couple or even as a single person, um, really focus in on what Advent means. So, have some options out there for you uh, before you leave. So, grab those or uh, uh, check those out before before you go. So, Luke 7 um, is about, it's really got, there's a a crowd of people, um, as usual, around Jesus, but it's really three main characters. There's Jesus himself. Right there's going to be a Pharisee. We saw Pharisees last week, right? Religious leaders, religious elite, right? They were born out of a very important cause: protect the law of Moses. But um, you know, they became very legalistic by Jesus' day, and, and they were sort of the ones in, in charge of the spiritual life of the Jewish people. Uh, so that's one. His name is Simon, and then the other one is this very described sinful woman. Okay. And, and so uh, she's going to anoint Jesus' feet, and if you're familiar with the story. Um, and, and there's actually, all the Gospels have an anointing, right? The other three are most likely a different event that happened towards the end of Jesus' life in Bethany. But this one is earlier on, okay? And it's found in Luke 7. And it's in a, you know, the, the, the Gospel writer Luke, he wrote this to Theophilus. And Theophilus was a Gentile. And so if you notice, while all the Gospels show this, Luke really focuses, one of his major themes is that Jesus came for the outcast, right? The, the one on the outside, the women who were outcasts in that society, right? The, the, the poor, the sick, the broken, the tax collector, the sinner, that's who he came for. Specifically, though, he also came for the Gentile, though, those who the Jews up until this point considered outside of God's family, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 through you, we will bless all the nations of the earth. And so Luke really, really loved to bring out that theme, and probably nowhere more poignant does that happen but in Luke chapter 7 in the midst of this story is the context of which the story is going to be. Um, and so, in really, chapter 7 is all about that, the outcast, He heals a centurion's son. He, he, uh, uh, it, it just kind of ramps up. You get to verse 36. and So Luke tells us this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at table. That's weird. How many of you ate Thanksgiving right, gorged yourself to the point, it's okay, we're not doing gluttony today, so calm down, right, you just, the next step was the living room couch, and you just laid there, and that's pretty much it, anyone, guys especially, right, hopefully you helped with the dishes first, right, so this really is cool, their culture, they skipped the middleman, they reclined at table, how cool is that, right? Imagine that. So, so this is what, and maybe you've seen a, a, a scene from the, the the Last Supper, right, where formal uh, Jewish meals, they'd have a low table with all this food, and they would actually have cushions, unlike me, ow, oh, right? And they would lean on a, a left elbow, and they would eat, right, and their feet would stick out, okay? And so Jesus would have been amongst the other guests doing this, and eating, and lounging, Right? And your feet would have been very accessible, right? That's why that's important. When you're going to see Jesus get his feet anointed, his feet are out. They're not like under the table like it might be for us. So, so also, um, probably the Pharisee, this is probably a Sabbath meal um, on Saturday, the Jews' Sabbath is Saturday, where if you were a prominent teacher or rabbi, which is what they thought of Jesus in that day, they would, he would kind of feel obligated to invite Jesus to this formal Sabbath meal. It might not be Sabbath, it might have been a different day, but it's our best guess. And so another thing that you're going to see, because it's very different, if you're picturing this meal sort of in your, in your uh, dining room or a dining hall of some kind, that's not usually what happened. Usually it was outside in a courtyard-like place, okay, and you'd have the invited guests sitting at the table, but also, this is going to be really weird for us, right, is you'd have uninvited guests from the neighborhood and the community, they would kind of hover around the edges, having conversations, listening into what the invited guests are talking about. And so you encourage this as a host. In fact, the more people around the edges, the more prominent you were, right? You were like, look at all these people that want to be around our luncheon even though they're not invited. And that's important because we're going to see an uninvited guest, this woman, come right and, and that's why it's weird it's like how is all of a sudden she just entering a meal because she is amongst these people on the outskirts right but she does something beyond what normally would be done right verse 37 Luke says and behold a woman of the city now that again her sin we're not told what it is but most scholars would say it's something very public and probably sexual probably prostitution we don't know how she got into that um, usually, by the way, women don't choose prostitution. Usually it's something in your life that leads you to that really, really broken, sinful path, especially in this culture. right? So she is just this known sinner, Luke says, who was a sinner. Then she, uh, when she learned that he, that Jesus was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster f- uh, flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. Now, that's a comma, so the sentence isn't finished yet, but, but I want us to, to pause. And if you're familiar with this story, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I know what happens next. But I want you to really think about what's happening here. This is, a tr- this is not Jesus' fictional story yet. This really happened, okay? This is a woman who's known for her sin. She would have been a, not just an uninvited guest. She would have been uninvited to be even on the outskirts. Like, how dare Like, when when she approaches this meal, you could just picture everyone all around just being like, what? Like, shocked silence. Like, why would she do this? She is not welcome here. She should know better. She's a sinner. She's an outcast. She should not even be in the realm of a Pharisee. Are you kidding me? Right? And now she's approaching this table, and and, and she has a... Uh, probably the, the, the most treasure thing she owned, or the thing most valuable. <laughs> She's not a rich woman, right? So, so she has this ointment, this perfume that, that she clearly has a plan to anoint Jesus' feet with. And she comes out of the outskirts of the crowd, and she approaches. Again, Jesus' feet are, are accessible, along with everyone else. And she comes in and she clearly has this plan to do it, but for whatever reason... As she kneels down to do it, she just begins to weep. Most likely, this woman has already encountered Jesus. She's already put her faith in Jesus based on the interaction we're about to see. And something just caused her, I, I, I hear Jesus at this luncheon. I got to go see him. And, and as she approaches, she just, and, and can't you just picture, have you ever been in a situation where like, you're like, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry? Ever been like that? Like, I feel like that's her. She's like, so emotional, but I'm gonna keep it together, all these people, right? And and yet she sees Jesus and she can't help it. Like she, why is she crying? Is it because of her sin? She's a woman of the city, she's a known sinner. Yeah, that's part of it. But I think more than that is she knows this Jesus, because of him, I'm forgiven of my sin. I I can have healing, I can have restoration, I can have rightness and peace with God. Like, like, all of this is so overwhelming. I can vocalize it to you, but she probably couldn't. She's just, ugh, right? She's just a mess. And her tears, as we're going to see, are falling on his feet. And the description is this. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. <laughs> this... This is like shockingly crazy. Again, our culture, it's hard to translate. It's already kind of crazy enough for us, right? But you have to, you have to realize. So she, she's got the ointment, that's her plan. But the, she cries on his feet and she realizes, oh man, my tears are all over this, Jesus' feet, right? And so she doesn't have a cloth, she doesn't have anything to wipe his feet. So she just figures back with it. She takes her hair down and she uses her hair to dry Jesus' feet. Now, you have to understand, in this culture, a woman who lets her hair down in public, that was grounds for divorce, and I know for us, that's like ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it is what it is. If you go to the Middle Eastern culture today, it's very similar, right? This is, that, that's kind of how you have to think of Jesus' culture. It's not America 2020, right? And, and so by doing this, not only is she a known sinful woman, not only is she there, she shouldn't be. Approaching the table, she shouldn't be doing that. She's letting her hair down, kissing and wiping this rabbi's feet, Everyone's going to be like, oh, you can almost hear the gasps, right? She doesn't care. She just continues to lavish kisses on his feet. And then she finally gets to the the ointment, pours probably the thing that she she could sell for a lot of money, right? Pours it on Jesus' feet and anoints the most humbling act you can have. All the while the tears falling. This is, you can, there's no conversations happening. Everyone's like, Awkward, right? Like, what is gonna? What's Jesus gonna do? What's Simon the Pharisee gonna do? Like, what? What's happening here, right? So, um, we see the reaction next, and it, and it says, "Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself," which is really important um, that he's thinking to himself here. Okay, have you ever talked to yourself in your mind? Of course, you have a running dialogue all day. So, this is what Simon's thinking. If this man were a prophet, clearly he was wondering, is this Jesus a prophet of God? He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Right? That's what he's thinking. He can't be a prophet for one of two reasons. Either A, she, she doesn't know what everyone else knows, and a prophet would probably know that she's a sinner. Or B, he does know and he doesn't care she's touching his feet that's filthy she should he should not allow that as a prophet of God so therefore he is disqualified no way is he a prophet he's thinking all of this and here's the funny thing it says and Jesus answering him answering said to him now keep in mind if you're thinking to yourself this person can't be a prophet and he answers your thoughts what are you going to think then right? Can't be a prophet. There's no way he's a prophet. And Jesus answers him. Not a vocal. He wasn't vocally speaking. He was thinking. So Jesus clearly reads his mind and answers him and says, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Well, say it, teacher. And so here's our story. It's a very short story. And Jesus says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? So, there's a couple words in this story that are that are that are going to immediately stand out to Simon because he's a Pharisee, he's a spiritual leader. And the first is debt. They often talked about your sin to God as a debt that needs to be paid. Right? They would bring sacrifices. So, so when even though he's talking a story. Simon would have sort of made the connection that Jesus is talking about something different here. And and the second is love. Even if someone forgives a debt, to love them is very strong. So clearly Jesus is talking about something very, very deeper and bigger. And that is this woman and Simon. Who would you love more? And so in the story, there's a... Um, a money lender, and he, he gives out, uh, he, he has a debt, one person over here that owes probably about a year and a half salary. So say, of average salary, say you were, you know, made 80000 a year, you'd owe 120000 Just says, gone. It's over. You don't have to pay it back. Debt canceled. And the other person is about two months, let's so say under 20000 Both are nice, right? I mean, that's nice to get those debts canceled, but which one is more enthralled with that? Obvious answer, right? And that's what Jesus leads him to. Okay, who would love the money lender more? Simon doesn't want to answer because he knows he's being painted into a corner here, but what options do he really have? So he answers this. The one, I suppose, right? I suppose, you know, I really am not left. I, I would love to answer the, the one that Jesus doesn't want me to answer, but I really can't because that would be ridiculous. So he says, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, Jesus did, you've judged rightly duh Jesus didn't really say duh don't look in your translation for that all right but he's like yeah right of course like that's why I told this story for you to understand the one who has been forgiven of the most and understands that right loves the most and that's his whole point as he brings that story home I want you to see what Simon does not next I mean, Jesus does next. He's telling the story to Simon. All the guests are there. The people are in the outskirts. The woman is still behind Jesus at his feet. And, and he looks at the woman, right? And he says, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? What a question. What a question. Of course he sees her. Everyone's looking at her. But that's not, I mean, Jesus doesn't mean physically seeing this woman. Simon, do you See this woman? Do you see this woman the way I see this woman? Do you see this woman the way the Father sees this woman? And I wonder how many times we interact with people that Jesus might say, Jamie, do you really see him or her? Or do you see their addiction? Do you see their homelessness? Do you see their poverty? Do you see their sin? Do you see their mess? What do you see? Do you actually see people the way I do, made in the image of God, loved by God, wanting them to come home and be restored? Do you actually see this woman, Simon? Because I do, right? He says, he says, I entered your house um, and, and, and he says, after saying, you see this woman, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And so if you were a, a host of a dinner and you had a guest, that you didn't have to uh, have a servant wash their feet, but it was really nice to do so. And Simon eh, didn't go the extra mile for Jesus. This woman, he said, washes them with her very tears and her hair. Right? He said, You to to Simon, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Right? Often you didn't have to greet your guests with a kiss, but it was an offer of friendship. You remember the story of Judas when he betrays Jesus with a kiss? Jesus was really down about that. Why would you you can do it without expressing friendship to me, Judas, right? So he's saying, you didn't you didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't offer friendship, but, but she's d- done the most humbling thing. She's, she's kissed my feet, right? You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment, right? Often, if you had a, a special guest you wanted to host, you would anoint their head with oil. And, and, and she, Simon, has anointed my feet with oil. Who loves me more? Who understands me more? He says, therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And it, and it finishes this way. Verse 49 and 50. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's, we, that's really important. We cannot put the cart before the horse, right? She is not saved from her sin debt because of her love for Jesus or because of her ointment or her tears or her hair that didn't save her. Jesus is very clear what saved her. Your what? your faith saved her. She's already put her trust in Christ and now because of that sin debt being wiped out, she loves great. Right? And she shows that love. That love for Jesus is poured out in her life. Right? That that term go in peace as a better translation would be go into peace. You see, shalom means peace, and Jews would, at a funeral, say, go in peace. But if you were still alive and you were leaving a friend and saying goodbye, you might say, go into peace. Walk in peace. This is not peace uh, here. It's not you know, sitting on the beach and a nice, easy feeling reading your book with a you know, drink of choice in your hand. and That's not peace. All right, that feels great, fine. That's a good momentary moment for you. But peace is a right relationship with God, a debt of sin wiped out. And this crowd of people at this dinner are shocked. Who can say they forgive sins? (laughs) Think about it. If you were to come up to me, if you were to see me, and and I didn't see you, and I'm walking on the street, and you stick out your foot and trip me, and I fall and bang my knee, and you're like, thought that would be funny, but oh, whoops, he looks like he really got hurt. And you feel really bad, and, and you help me up, and you're like, Jamie, will you forgive me? I'm really sorry I did that. I thought, you know, And I say, I forgive you. I can do that, right? Because you've sinned against me. But on the other hand, if you come up to me, and you just kind of lay out your life right now, man, I'm, I'm, I, I sinned against my wife, and I blew it at work, and I'm looking at pornography, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, hey, hey, you are forgiven. You'd be like, excuse me? <laughs> That's like, Sorry, Jamie, you don't have that kind of power and authority to just forgive me of my sins. And I don't. Only one person can pay for your sins, and Jesus did so on the cross, and only one has the authority to forgive your sins, and that is Jesus. He is making a very clear statement, I am God. And that's why they're like, who dares do this? Who dares say that she can be forgiven? Who is this that forgives sins? That's the shock question. And the answer is, of course, Jesus. That's the beautiful news. And, 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 and the, the question as you, as you think about this story is, you look at these main characters, which of the two, besides Jesus, of course, do you gravitate towards? Okay, if you're like me, you gravitate towards Simon, the sin of self-righteousness. And I'm not saying I'm Simon, and it's a daily battle. But look, the more you grow and the more God cleans up your life and the more you do for God, the more you start to think, you know what? I got a little mess in my life, but it's not as bad as hers, right? I can think, wow, I'm a pastor, I have a seminary degree, I read my Bible every day, I pray every day multiple times a day, I'm in church multiple times a week, I've led many different ministries, there's lots of things I used to do I don't do. Like, it's very easy for me to gravitate towards, I'm pretty good, I still need forgiveness. I know I blow it. I strip it. I'm pretty. I'm doing all right. I'm certainly better than that person. That is the sin of self-righteousness, the sin where I forget where I was. And the longer you're in church, the longer you grow up as a professing Christian, the more you're going to leave the gravitating towards the sinful woman and towards Simon the Pharisee and think... God's pretty lucky to have me on his team. Look what, he, look what I'm doing, right? And, and to forget where we come from. And here's what we do. We play the compare game. Well, I'm better than her. I mean, I'm not the best husband, but look at him. I mean, gosh, right? And, 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 and we play the, the uh, kind of the, the memory game. We forget where we've come from, right? And, and so here's how you battle that, if that's you. Is you battle that right by every day. What do we say? Every day, preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel is not just something where you accept Christ and now you got to grit out the Christian life. The gospel is the diving board and the pool, right? Every moment of every day, by God's grace, remember. When you preach the gospel to yourself, when you are in prayer, and you meditate on the cross, and you simmer on who you were, the mess I was when Jesus found me, and where I would be without him, and, and anything that I've done for God is by his strength and his power. Otherwise, it's worthless. It's humbling, and it's taking, you know, it's on a daily basis taking your Pharisee robe off, and getting your your perfume your ointment out and get back to the feet of jesus and remember who you are it is nothing without him well maybe you gravitate towards the woman though right maybe you're here and you're like jamie i know i've heard you preach the gospel and, and it sounds like a great thing but it's not for me my you don't know the the, the mess i have in my life like i've Right, In a way, I know you don't think it this way if that's you, that's also a sin of pride. Imagine being the first person ever to think my mess, my sin is too great for the cross of Jesus Christ that what i've done is so bad that the shed blood of christ can't cover it that that my mess is so big that the god of the universe can't clean it up my brokenness is so vast that that it can't be healed imagine that but there you that might be you like you might have a mess like maybe we don't know but other people do you messed up that marriage you have estranged kids or you just lost your job because you did something terrible or whatever it is you just got out of prison or or you know, whatever the background is maybe it's Hidden, and, and if we knew, if it went up on the screen right now, your name and what you've done, we would all go, Oh, I'm not putting my kid in the nursery when she's serving, right? Suddenly, that mess, right, is very uh, out there in the open, like this poor woman, and it's easy to think, Not me. I can't be forgiven, I can't be restored this isn't for me or i have to do something i have to win it back there's nothing you can do the good news is the good news jesus died for sinners like you and like me you can have restoration who forgives sin jesus and the beautiful thing of this story is this idea right this this uh simple equation forgiven much love much here's the thing we're all forgiven of much, right? It's just that we, we look at prostitution, woman of the city, as way worse than self-righteousness, gossip, judging others. But to God, it's all filthy. It's all a mess, right? So the idea here isn't that just this woman was forgiven of much. is that she's the one that understands it. Simon is like, meh, got a little bit, couple months debt. I can deal with that. I can work that off. Easy. She's like, I got nothing, And Jesus' whole point is is the more you understand how much you've been forgiven of by Jesus and who Jesus is, the more you're going to love him. And so it crystallizes this last question I want to leave with you. That where we began. Does my love for Jesus pour out of me? Right? I can say, I have some water. I love Jesus. But if you look at my life. Is that what it says? And I don't mean like this isn't to leave with this huge guilt trip. It's just to say, let's just be honest, right? Now, you can say you love a person, but then if you don't spend any time with them, could care less about them and really prioritize everyone else but him. Do you really love him? I mean, no, right? This isn't, you know, you could be a two-year-old and understand this, right? Mommy says she loves me, but she doesn't love me. It's not there. It's not evident, right? And so it's a, it's a, just that, that spiritual check engine like, do I really love Jesus? And if not, maybe it means I'm not a Christian, right? It's just not, I'm just not saved yet, or I've just drifted from that. I'm a Christian, but you know what? I can look back in my life, and man, there's times where I definitely love Jesus, but right now it's a selfish time in my life, and, and I need to get back to, 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 to the gospel, and, and to recognizing who I really am, and, and and how to put things around my life to love Jesus better. So how does that look? Like when you, when you think about it con- from in kind of a concrete way, what does it really look like? If, if, if those angels were looking at my life, what does it look like for Jamie to love Jesus? Because it's going to look some differences between me and you and, and, and someone else, right, depending on our personalities, depending on our, how we express love, right? Like some it's going to be a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, out there in the open, but some of you are more reserved. That's how God made you, right? You can't be someone you're not, but you know you have people in your life you have sports teams you love or, or musical groups or, or movies that you love and wear the t-shirts and you're willing to tell anyone about all the, the connections to this and that and the Marvel Universe. And it's like, clearly you love the Marvel Universe, right? You know yourself, so do you love Jesus if you're a Christian, right? And this story tells us a few things, right? The woman shows in her way what that looks like. The first is, you don't care what other people think about. Think about, if you, I used to have the, uh, she's still my aunt, but I don't see her as much anymore. I love her, but man, we, any, my mom would get so frustrated. She'd be like, every time we go over to their house, she gets out the movies of the wedding or the kid, like every time, right? Or the photos. And it was like, you'd have to sit there and look. And my mom's like, I don't care, right? But. My aunt didn't care. This is who I love. And I'm putting it in your face because I love them. My kids, the wedding of my daughter, the, right, the, my grandkids. Like, I love them. And I don't care who knows. I don't care what you think of me. It's just the love goes beyond it, right? And so however that might look in your life, that's this woman, right? All these people, you can't be here. You can't approach his feet. You can't let your hair down. She's like, not even thinking about them, all she sees is Jesus. Would that characterize me? Would that characterize you? To go with that, if I love Jesus, I worship Jesus. Right, I express, that happens, yes, in song, but it happens in prayer. It happens in uh, my life where I put my devotion towards Jesus. And, and if you look at your life right now, and I'm, I'm a Christian, but man, there is literally no time unless you're saying the, the two and a half songs that you saw in church was the only time you worshipped Jesus this week. Do you love him? Do you really know what he's done for you? That's the question. And it's an important one. If, if, if I've had no prayer time, if all my prayer time is, dear Lord, bless this meal, is that loving Jesus? is if it's only just requesting and there's no praise time, there's no how awesome you are, how much you've done for me, thankfulness right to Jesus, to, to focus on how He's healed me, how He's walked with me, Do I love Jesus? And, and, and this woman is, is to go with that. There's this affection for Jesus. Is there any time in your life, if you're a Christian, where, man, you are singing a worship song in church or maybe listening to it in the car and you just, you're like, you're singing, you know, Amazing Grace or something, and you're just like, you can't sing anymore because the tears are coming and you're too embarrassed, right? Like, I, I don't cry a lot in public, but I do a lot privately. There's this one. Um, I do this thing, John Eldridge has this um, app, and it's called the One Minute Pause, and it actually goes up to 10 minutes, and I've been doing it because one of my issues is I'll have my prayer time, and then I'll go the whole day and get so busy that I just don't have time of stopping and thinking about Jesus. This does a great job. It sends me a notification. I stop, usually, and, and there's this one point where he's leading and talking about a place in your life you need healing from Jesus, and he, and he has you picture Jesus being there, that broken place, that, that scary place, and just picture it. And there's this one line where, where he just says, says, if the tears are going to come, let them come. And it gets me every time. I'm like, mm, you know. And, and I don't necessarily bawl like a baby, but the emotion, because I think of Jesus in that place that I'm most needing of healing. Does that ever happen to you? When you pray, when you sing, when you're reading a Bible verse and you're going, all of a sudden it just hits you, this great amount of love. If not, do I really love Jesus? If there's never any of that time where I'm overwhelmed by who he is and what he's done, right? Well, you might look at if you really love him, you, you, like this woman, your, your treasures, your possessions are going to pour out. It doesn't mean everything is spent on Jesus, but you don't care. When you love someone, you're constantly, right? You're not thinking, well, honey, I have a budget here, right? I mean, you have some kind of a budget, but, you know, you can't buy. I love the Christmas time. You see all these car commercials. Who gets cars for Christmas? It's crazy, right? But apparently people get BMWs for Christmas. So, pastor, appreciation coming up. So, uh, no. Uh, I don't need a BMW. I'll, I'll destroy it in a day, so it's fine. But, you know, you, you have a budget, but, man, that's not what you're thinking. When you love someone, you want to give them, right? Because, because guess what? They're more important than your stuff. Do I love Jesus Is my stuff, Is my giving, Is my selflessness? If you look at what Jesus himself said elsewhere in, in Scripture, if you love me, you will love one another. If you love me, you will serve one another, which means you'll serve in church, you'll, you'll serve your neighbor, you'll get uh, some angel tree gifts for somebody. You'll do this not out of obligation. That's the key. It's not, I need to keep Jesus happy with me. He loves you. He's not going to lose that love for you. It's, you do it because you love him. That's the difference. Right, the, other, um, the other night, I was, uh, it was after supper, and um, Heather was tired. She had worked that day, and she went in, and she sat on the couch, and then I heard her say, oh, the cat just jumped on my lap, and I forgot my book. What I heard was, somebody better bring me my book, okay? And I, I mentioned this as an example because this does not make me husband of the year, people, right? I just said, oh, man, let me just, oh, there's her book, and I brought it into her and handed it to her. It took me five seconds, so no awards, please, okay? But I thought about that. I didn't bring her book, books. I'm like, watch, if I do this, Heather's going to like me more, right? If I do this, you know, she'll get me something. That's not what I thought at all. I was just like, I love my wife, and she sat down, and, you know, I I brought her her book, right? So you do things like that without thinking all the time, right, for people you love. Your kids, your spouse, your girlfriend, your fiancé, your best friends, whoever, the people that you love. You You just do things for them, not because you're hoping to earn something back, but because you love them. And that's how it should go with Jesus. It's, it's I serve because I love Jesus, not because if I do this, he'll forgive me. or he'll, That's not how it works. It's because he's done so much for me, now I just want to serve him. I want to give, and I want to serve. You know, the last thing um, that I'll, I'll touch on that I think I know, because the Bible says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. You will obey me. In 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul um, is talking about the Antichrist and the end times and and how a lot of people say they're Christians are going to fall away because of deception, of the pleasure of sin. And he says, you know what he said, the remedy of it is those who won't fall away is they are going to love the truth. Not just know the truth, like you know your Bibles or believe the truth. That's important, right? You love the truth. You love his commandments. You love, even the ones you don't understand. Even the ones you're like, oh, I'm not sure I will really agree with 100%. You love Jesus' commands because you love Jesus. And you trust him. And so do you love him? And, and, and so if you're sitting there thinking, man, my check engine light isn't just on because we can ignore that for a while, right? It's blinking, right? I learned a long time ago, I know nothing about cars. When your check engine light is blinking, pull over, right? And so maybe it's even blinking what do I do? First, am I saved? Have I trusted in Christ? Second, if I have and if I know I'm a Christian, I've had times in my life where I've loved Jesus, then get around his commandments, his word, right? Do something. Read the scriptures. Be around other people who love Jesus. It might look differently than you, right? Like, like it's not gonna. I mean, a lot of you know uh, Miss Vicky, right? Vicky will go over across the way to the coffee house, and they know she walks in, and she just basically says, "I love Jesus. Who's with me?" That's. I'm not gonna do that. It's not my personality, right? I'm like, "Give me some coffee. Oh yeah, thank you, Jesus, for the coffee. That's more my style, right?" And so that might be you. That's okay. What's your style, who personality? But, but be around others who. Lo- it's infectious, right? Don't surround yourself with just people who don't love Jesus because guess what? You'll be pulled that way. You'll be around his word, around his commands, around people who worship him. And you will begin to see what it looks like, what it feels like, to be inspired, to remember. Because the more you preach the gospel to yourself, the more you love the Jesus of the gospel. So what I want to do as we finish, I want to pray, as I always do, um, but... Um, as I do that, as we go to prayer, I'm going to sort of pray through those things and, and um, just ask you to close your eyes if, if uh, um, that makes sense for you. And as we, we go to prayer, I, just, I want you to just be able to take a deep breath and not just think, all right, well, this is the end of the service. I need to get my stuff together here, and what am I doing next? I just want you to stop. It's only a couple of minutes. I just want you to first think about the good news of Jesus Christ that he died for you. Your overwhelming mess of sin whether it's self-righteousness or whether it's prostitution or pornography or lust or an affair or lying or cheating or stealing or gossip whatever that mess is he died. It is paid in full. Think about that. Think about Jesus who came in the flesh to die for you. Don't think about him dying in general. Think about him dying for you. Simmer on that. And then think about, do I believe that? And if not, you can. You can cry out to Jesus right now. All who cry out in the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said to that woman, just as he'll say to you, your faith has saved you. If that's you and you're thinking right now are you if you look at your life if the angels are looking at your life would you would you say that you love Jesus is that evident is that poured out do you love his commands do you love his him in worship and affection are you afraid to admit that you love Jesus To pray. Lord, I pray that if anyone who needs to be saved today would just recognize that no matter what the mess is, Lord, that the answer to their sin is to love you, Jesus, more than their sin. Thank you. Holy Spirit, work in our lives and our hearts and our minds even right now. Lord, is to, to know what you've done for us produce in us a desire to love you more, love you more. Lord, that we would want on our tombstone Jamie loved Jesus. That's it. I don't need dates. I don't need anything else. Just Jamie loved Jesus. Let that be our life, Lord. That's what we want our life to be, and we we confess right now that often we get entangled with the world and our own desires Lord, I pray that today we can lay it at your feet, that we can get back with the ointment at your feet. We can cry tears if we need to cry tears, and we can know your love, and it can produce a love for you that's evident in our lives, Lord. God, that we would leave here as a statement that says, I love Jesus, and I'm gonna pour that out in my life, whatever it takes. Help us. Strengthen us. Give us the heart for it. Put people around us, Lord, that love Jesus. Put more and more people around us. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Cornerstone Church podcast. To listen to more messages or check out our church, please visit cornerstonebv.org. If you are looking for a church home in the Blackstone Valley, please join us on a Sunday morning at either 9 or 11. We are a gospel-centered church where our lives are transformed by the power of God's Word.